everybody hi it's kamala and welcome to part two of the bridging the gap in love uh, episode of the white lotus blooms podcast thank you so much for all the love and all the feedback from episode one from part one rather and i can't wait to share some more with you on this topic and to hear your feedback even further um, on part two of this episode so the first part of the episode focused on the issues of do opposites attract or is it a case that birds of a feather flock together is it the differences how different we are or how similar we are that really end up you know predicting relationship success and based on what we said in the first um, part of the episode it is that similarities is really where it's at it's important for your partner to be similar to you, especially in key areas, key areas of your values and your belief system. They can be as different as they feel like they want to be, as different as you can um, tolerate rather in other areas that are outside of, you know, the core, the core value system. But it's very important for your partner um, to share at least your core, you know, value system and your core beliefs. So today now, I wanted to zone in further, especially for those persons who are married or who are about to get married, to zone in on the scenarios that were given. So these scenarios were shared with me by Nationwide's production team. They asked me to speak on it on an episode of their show. And I found the scenarios to be very relevant and um, very interesting. So I wanted to just break them down and zone in some more. So I went all the way retro for my music selection for this one. Um, throwing back to some Alea and some Timberland. I love the part where they say, you've got issues, I've got issues. You know what I mean? And then they went on to talk about the fact that, you know, who's to be blamed? Who should be hurt? Who should be blamed? Am I supposed to change? Or are you supposed to be, or, or are you supposed to change? So we're going to talk some things today about, you know, some very real life situations that may seem harmless or even comical to some people now. But I promise you, sitting across from couples on the therapy coach, these issues come up so often that you would probably not believe it. And in many ways, they can pose serious, serious challenges to couples, especially as it relates to, you know, the difficulty in bridging the gap and coming to a middle ground around the issues that these scenarios bring up. So scenario number one, what if it is that your partner has OCD type tendencies, meaning that they are very, very particular, maybe obsessive about neatness and cleanliness, whereas the other party is messy. Not just not as particular, but messy. Scenario number two, what if one partner is very expressive, verbally expressive, and the other one really don't like to talk that much? How about if one party is very adventurous and, you know, a thrill seeker or a risk taker, and the other party is a homebody or very risk averse? Fourthly, 
suppose you have a difference in how sociable they are so one of the one member of the couple is a social butterfly and the other one is socially awkward and the fifth scenario is what if one person is a spendthrift and the other one is very stingy with money and i'm going to extend this last one to say what if one is very very um careful about you know very good at managing finances then and the other party really doesn't have that kind of a business acumen that kind of financial acumen can it work what are your initial thoughts? Could you be with somebody who is so vastly different from you? And one of the things I said in responding to the scenarios on the Nationwide program was one, Jamaica people say it really well, see me and live with me is two different things. So a particular, you know, personality difference or character difference could be very cute, could be even endearing, could be funny, could be even sexy, you know, could be charming when it is that you're dating. So you don't live together and you're dating even if you date like four days a week like you, you make a conscious effort to spend at least four days a week or you know spend time together at least four days per week or five even then you know this particular difference in the personalities or in the characters could not really come up to be a huge issue it could be it can be managed it can even be faked in some ways while you're dating but when it is if it is that you decide to live together um, in whatever context, whether just living together as common law or going forward, you said we want to formally, you know, um, enter into a marriage situation and we're living together, then some of these issues can really not, you know, be as cute because they're in your face every day, all day. Imagine sharing a bedroom with somebody who is very different from you in terms of how they want that space kept, for example. Sharing a bathroom with somebody who is not as particular as you are about how the space is maintained. So these are very, very important things. So let's start with the first one. What I'm going to be doing is just giving you from a psychological or therapeutic place some of the issues that can be underpinning some of these personality traits. Because sometimes we just look at them on the surface and say, oh, this person is messy. Or, oh, this person is very anal about how they like things to be organized. But they could be it, the many many of these things are speaking to you know deeper personality dynamics, which can in other ways have implications for the relationship. So let's go with the the, the first one: OCD versus messy. Now, I I try to say OCD type symptoms. Um, our personality traits because we're not trying to say that this person is diagnosed with OCD, which is obsessive compulsive disorder. Many times we loosely use the term OCD um, or even use the word monkish, you know, to, to refer to people who are very particular about how they want their space kept and, you know, how neat and tidy things need to be for them. And of course, there are variations in terms of how extreme it can be and how much of a compulsion or, or an obsession. Um, this particular person whether it's you or your partner can have but generally though beyond a certain point of um, just generally liking your space to be neat where it reaches the point where there is an obsession or a compulsion meaning that there is an irresistible urge an irresistible need to maintain things in a particular way and if there if it's not maintained that way there is significant distress then we're actually going over into the line of pathology and it's OCD is considered to be a psychological disorder and treatment um, is one of the ways treatment is possible for the condition whether um, psychotherapy or at some points perhaps even introducing pharmacological treatments like medication 
depending on the severity of it to help, you know. Um, so I say all of that to say that a person who has these strong obsessions or compulsions around, you know, neatness and cleanliness could actually be operating from a space of pathology, meaning there is some underlying cause or, co or some, some underlying causes that are contributing to this, this need, this innate need. For many people, it's coming from uh, a need to try to exert or regain control over their environment. So coming from the psychosocial stressors, which possibly led to um, this type of obsessive compulsive type of you know, behavior or personality style, we can, in many cases, look at a personality profile where there was some significant disruption in, um, in the formative years, in early childhood years, where maybe one significant parent left suddenly and it kind of threw the child's world into, you know, complete upheaval. And so as a defense mechanism, as a means to try to regain control over that sense of just everything is, everything mash up, everything is just out of my control, then the obsessive compulsive type personality traits could be developed as a means of, you know, just exerting control. So daddy left, mommy left, my whole world crumbled, but at least I can control my toys. I can control the knives and the forks and the spoons. I can control, you know, how many steps I take how many even-numbered tiles I step on or odd-numbered tiles, etc. How many times I wash my hands per day. How many times I say this particular thing before I eat a meal. And so it's, it can be coming from a place of you know, psychological trauma, psychological distress, or some type of strain psychologically. So I, I delve into it from that perspective to help us to, first of all, as somebody who is in a relationship, I assume, or looking to be in a relationship with somebody else, to develop this, this muscle of just trying to figure out where the other person is coming from. Because oftentimes we see the behaviors, but we don't stop to think, hmm, I wonder where this came from. And I'm not sending you all out there to be, you know, to be diagnosing people, but just generally in our interactions, it really pays to be curious about people in a healthy way. And to try to, to try to figure out and try to understand and empathize with where the other person may be coming from. No behavior just, you know, originates so-so. So-so-so, as Jamaica people say. Everything has a root. Everything has a reason. Everything, more importantly, everything serves a purpose. So that particular behavior could be telling us a lot about either you or your partner. And so it's important to even have that conversation while you're dating. You know, I noticed that you really are very particular about this, you know, um, like when did it start? Was it always this way with you? How do you feel if, if you're not able to do it in a particular way or if somebody disrupts it? That could even be a conversation that can determine whether or not one party may need to have a sit down with a therapist. There's no shame in that, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Every, everybody needs some touch up every now and then you know it's an important thing to really check our mental health and to really maintain a level of wellness and sometimes we just need a third party to just help us to put things into perspective so it could be coming from somewhere from a from a, a childhood trauma or childhood you know upheaval and so that is important information to bring into a long-term relationship situation the other party too, as it as it relates to in our disparity um, scenarios, one party OCD type and one one party is very messy. 
it's important to also understand where that might where that may be coming from is it a case where as a child you were not held to high standards or everything was done for you or there was no responsibility is it a case where literally it is not one of the things that you like to pay keen attention to so like you, you, you don't even think about it in terms of neatness and organizing your clothes or organizing your pens and pencils whatever it might be these these things are important things to consider as well from the relationship standpoint and as i mentioned in part one of this episode it is so critical no matter what it is that we're communicating about to try to do it in a constructive way first of all you don't really put out one finger and point at the other person in an accusing or accusatory way that now go nowhere you wouldn't like it for yourself because it literally puts people on the defensive so it's important not to try to do that for your partner or to your partner as well so whatever it is that you're pointing out do so lovingly and i know many people like to say at the truth i don't care if you want hurt at the truth but there are there are right ways and wrong ways to communicate even the most potentially hurtful thing so let us try to practice um, constructive communication as much as possible it's also important to affirm your partner whenever it is that they do something that is, 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 is worthwhile, something that makes you feel good, something that contributes to the overall um, improvement of the home or of the relationship. So for example, let's say that you had a difficult conversations at some point and say, boy, babe, you know, say, I really, I really don't like how you keep the place though. I don't like how I spend the time to clean the floor or put the stuff in the fridge. And, you know, when I come back, I feel like you literally just throw everything all around and I feel like it's a, you know, try to zone in on what it means to you, how it affects you and take responsibility because it's never a good thing, generally speaking, to, to put the other person in that seat of you make me feel this way. That's generally considered to be an, a non-constructive way, unconstructive way of communicating, you know, what's affecting you. Because God up in heaven say I know that the other person may have had no intention to affect you in that way, to make you feel that way. You have to take responsibility for the fact that I feel this way when you do so and so. So literally it's a technique in marriage and family counseling to, 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 to train clients, to suggest to clients, to help clients to get into the habit of using I statements. So I feel this way when you do that. It takes the pressure, it takes whatever implied blame of the other party to say you, because the opposite could be, you make me feel worthless. You make me feel X, Y, Z way when you do this. No, I feel this way when you do it. The other party you now can say, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I had no idea. Or they can say, it was completely not my intention to do that X, Y, Z. So there's a whole leveling up of the communication even generally, right? And so it's important, number one, to understand where the other person is coming from. You know, how did you develop this personality style? These characteristics, what does it do for you? How does it impact you when, you know, somebody disrupts that or it's, it's just not done the way you want? You may be surprised at some of the answers that you will get if it is that you ask the right questions. Very informative responses that can help you to, you know, even figure out how to navigate it in a better way. So that's, that's scenario number one, the obsessive compulsive type personality um, versus somebody who is messy. It's very important to not put the person on the defensive and to take responsibility. And also, as I will say in all of these scenarios, it is so important to 
start off maintaining in, in whatever ways, maintain in your relationship a desire and a focus on mutual growth. Because truth be told, maybe one party have the neatness down pat, but they don't have the money handling down pat. You understand? So superiority really not going to wear right yourself. For you to start to get up all, all up in your, on your high horse to say, oh my God, like you are so, you know, you are so not on my level. Because the reality is in every, in, in so many different areas, we're all growing and one party is stronger in one area than another. So let us be humble even in the way that we communicate and the way we perceive the differences between each other. So that's scenario one. Scenario two, I actually have a client, um, a couple who I have been seeing for some time now for whom this scenario is the honest God Almighty truth where one party is very expressive, verbally expressive and the other one not so much, not so much to the point where um, one party actually feels some level of distress at the, you know, at the extent and the volume of which the other party has this need to communicate. And it's a very common dynamic, especially when people are still figuring out each other. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have a colleague who, when he got married, he shared with me that going home to his wife after work was becoming a stressful situation for him because he had this need just to have quiet time when he went home from work. And when he went home from work, his wife was so happy to have him, him home that she would be excited to start sharing, you know, sharing her day, finding out how his day when she wanted to bond with him. And he just started to feel overwhelmed because he really just wanted, he had this need for quiet time. And at some point he was beginning to feel like he was being selfish. He was beginning to feel conflicted about having those feelings. And what it took was them having an open and honest conversation about the fact that, listen, this is really affecting me in a particular way and I don't want it to seem like X, Y, Z. They had a fully big man and big woman conversation about it to hash it out. And they were able to work out their rhythm and their boundaries. So I know that, especially when you put on the ring or when you're engaged and you're planning your future together, you know, sometimes you can start to lose even with even without meaning to we can start to lose that sense of i-ness and everything is we and us that can be overwhelming especially if not handled and whatever you do as couples there needs to be the leaving of space for individuality there has to be something some space some time some hour some day some month you know, some, some time where each party can be them, can be an individual in, in, in several ways, free of the, you know, the responsibilities of considering every single detail of the other person's life as well. Because over time that can become um, overwhelming and over time it can also lead to resentment. And the reality is that we were made as individuals. And so it's important, even within the context of a union, to leave space for activities by yourself or with your friends. That's very, very important. Okay? So the expressive versus the, um, you know, the very quiet um, party is, is a very real, can be a very real dilemma. How do you manage that now? First of all, it's important, again, to consider where it's coming from. What need does those verbal expression fill for your partner for many people it's about not just talking to fill the air but it's a means of connecting 
and bonding which are two very big words in relationships and so imagine if one party is trying to bond with the other one by talking and the other party is just shutting them down because it feels so overwhelming and they don't know how to manage it what does that communicate to the other party who's expressive that i don't want to bond with you so even without saying that outrightly it can be interpreted as it can come across as and have the same impact as saying yo just hush up and just bill right just we can deal with this and it can really feel like a rejection to one party so it's important to understand your, your partner you know like marriage and relationships they're, they're a real deal because you have to develop a certain level of emotional intelligence and and to the extent that you can do that then you have a higher chance of success in your relationships you have to understand emotions understand yourself and your dynamics understand how your behaviors impact other people and how their behaviors impact you it takes a lot of introspection and unfortunately for many of us we don't practice a lifestyle of looking inward we just keep going and doing and going and doing so it's important to figure out from your partner um you know talking as much as you do or talking the way you do or your talking style your communication style you know how does it make you feel you know how would you how do you love for me to respond etc that's important and the final thing i will say on that particular um scenario is i'd love to point out one of the possible differences gendered differences in how we communicate as men and women men versus women um generally and i must say generally not in every case but generally women communicate with the, with a need for expression and a need for ventilation and a need for bonding men men tend to communicate more often with a need for solutions so their 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 end goal is okay i'm saying this um, you know, you are telling you are telling me this as the man, and my job, my role in your life is to help you to come to a solution. So for many men, this they 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 sometimes can't deal. They can they literally can't understand why it is that a woman would complain, for example, about I don't like how this dress look on me anymore. Why would you say that four or five times? The man might say to her, okay, so just stop wearing that dress. And it may come across as cold, it may come across as uncaring. But, the, but if you look at the dynamic of what really happened, the man, the male in the relationship, is concerned about helping you to come to a solution. When in fact, you were not communicating with the aim of, of, of necessarily coming to a solution in that moment. You were, you were sharing because you wanted to bond with your partner, maybe in a moment of vulnerability, that you don't like how your body look in distress. And so maybe also implicit in your comment one or two or three or four times about the way the dress looks on you or the way your body looks in the dress. Maybe you are also trying to ascertain from your partner, do you think my body looks, you know, less attractive than when we started dating or before the baby or whatever the case might be? And you see how without being, you see how in a very subtle way, right, such a very simple statement can lead to a cycle perhaps of negative communication and a lot of negative feelings on both sides just a very simple statement like a very simple scenario like that a very simple exchange so it's very important to even practice regardless of gender regardless of your personality type don't just say some mistake but be about that mindset of growing in the relationship and learn to communicate in what a more effective way a more clear way 
right where you can say exactly what you mean even when you feel vulnerable honey i don't feel attractive what do you think you know do you find me as attractive and be prepared for an answer right so it's important to level up in all areas and again put that emphasis on effective communication kind communication even though it's going to be honest scenario number three we're almost coming to the middle now scenario number three one party is adventurous and the other one is a homebody or one party is risk loving while the other one is risk averse listen all of these things sound simple now but i promise you that in the context of a relationship there's so many possible areas for these differences to express themselves and cause problems if not managed properly so let's look at a a very simple one on the surface of what it says, adventurous versus homebody, even that can be a problem if not managed and communicated properly. So one party is looking forward to going and driving down to a random part of Jamaica or to some other, flying to some other country to explore. And the other one is like, mm, I don't really need that. Um, like I'm quite fine here on the couch, right? Just, just spending some time with you. For the other party who is adventurous, that, that could become boring over time. And the other party's perhaps unwillingness or resistance to, to, to joining them on their adventures could feel like a lack of support. And so again, it's important to get to the heart of the matter. How does it make you feel? You feel alive. The other party probably don't have that need to feel alive by jumping off of a, um, off a mountain with a bungee cord alone to, to, to support them. Or they probably don't need to do the things that you do to feel that you need to do to feel alive but it's important to meet somewhere in the middle as much as possible to help each other feel supported okay it could also manifest itself in decisions that the couple might make financially or otherwise which have which which may have some risk so for example what about an investment a financial investment let's say that it's a it's an entrepreneurial venture and one party is saying okay so if we put in $1.5 million, we could lose it all or we could make another million in, let's say, a year. Now, imagine when you have one party saying, look here, I'm going to play the game. They're like, I sure money me defend. And the other party is like, but we could make a million dollars. And the other party is like, yeah, but we could lose everything. And just based on, you know, how set each party is based on their need for either security or for taking the risk for the sake of their future, perhaps, it could really become a point of contention. So again, careful and honest, respectful communication about those issues are critical. Sometimes you may need a neutral third party, ain't nothing wrong with that. Take some time, um, you know, let somebody come in, put the conversation on pause until both heads are cooler, whatever it takes. But there is a way to meet in the middle about these things. Perhaps it could mean not putting 1.5 million, but probably putting 500,000 instead or 250,000 and see how that turns over in six months as opposed to taking the big jump. You understand what I mean? Sometimes it may mean that one party is vetoed, like no investment until we clear all our debt. That might be financially sound as well. But again, it's all about how the how it is managed. Scenario number four. One party is a social butterfly and the other one is awkward. This one could have so much psychological meat, right? Underneath the skin of it all. Because let's look at the person who is socially awkward. What are some of the reasons why this person is socially awkward? It could speak to a general lack of confidence. 
which can have implications for so many other areas of the relationship that it definitely should not go unchecked in terms of let's talk about it you know um wh where'd come from did somebody say something negative to you repetitively in your childhood that made you just shrink into into a shell that's important information to have as well again in the spirit of trying to understand where your partner is coming from you know how they've experienced their life thus far before meeting you and what it is that you can do to help them to step into their best life and for the party who is a social butterfly maybe it might speak to um, a, a higher level of self-confidence or it may speak to a need to engage with other people to get to a place of feeling more confident perhaps or it could also just be a difference in terms of extroversion and introversion but again once you're mentioning socially awkward we're going into the realm now of maybe some pathology some mild pathology you know what is it that is making this person awkward and not relaxed and not socially fluent in social situations and the final scenario is what if one party is a spendthrift and the other one is very stingy with money or my interpretation my spin on it also is what if one party is excellent at managing money and the other one is a complete hot mess let's look at the latter first so one of them very good at handling the money while the other one not so much listen money sex and communication are three of the major bones of contention that lead to the demise of relationships three of the major ones major 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 and so it's important even when you just go up on the first date to start to ascertain from your partner um you know how they how they manage money maybe maybe you won't have like a direct interview like okay how much debt do you have da -da 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 -da, like on the first date right that might be too much but you know you watch to see how they spend and they are watching you to see how you spend and then you start to have some honest respectful conversations about it because this can be a major area now what are some of the reasons why one party is a complete hot mess in terms of how they manage the money it could really be linked to you know even this concept that my friends and i talk about a lot of of late about wealth consciousness suppose it is that the the party who doesn't manage finances well let's say that that is um the female and her name is jill let's say that jill grew up in a household where there was not a lot to go around things were tight they were probably poor or somewhere in that vicinity of poor and because of that there was this lot mindset established that there isn't enough and i have to hold on to you know to everything i have or i am okay so okay so maybe that was the 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 case where you know there was a lot mindset so i basically have to be careful about what i spend suppose now jill grew up a nice girl bright girl she get her education she get a boosted job and she earning six figures and doing well jill now started to say well i can just do road become of money now i never had it before and so there was a kind of a woohoo like a exhilarating freedom now that jill is experiencing as it relates to just do road with the money just spend and buy and be great and live well and in jill's rationalizing jill can be saying well you know you know i grew up poor so i deserve to treat myself and jill is always treating herself so whether jill have five pairs of shoes that are black um, or brown already jill want the other three pairs that are on sale at macy's jill might not do so well with the discipline of checking to see how much she has spent thus far 
probably Jill is constantly putting her 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 hand over her eyes because she has the same even though she have money now you know there is still that kind of a lack mindset like i have to i have to really use it up now i have to i have to be careful because it may run out so jill doesn't want to see the account balance going down at the end of the month or the atm receipt showing less and less money as she keeps withdrawing withdrawing more and more because there is this overwhelming perhaps unnatural fear that i cannot go back to being poor i want the perks of what i've accomplished thus far but i cannot go back to being poor so it's so important as i said to try to get to the heart of the matter and for some of these things it won't be easy for your partner to point these out to you especially if you have a blind spot and you never know it could feel like an attack it could feel like you know so many things and that's why it's important to cultivate an, uh, a habit of being honest with yourself first and no matter how honest you are and how introspective you are we still will have blind spots so it's important to trust your partner build up that level of trust based on how you communicate that you can let down your guard and let your partner as it were see beneath your beautiful that yeah i have an issue here i really do i have to be honest about it you know and again in that in that whole mindset of being willing to grow to accept whatever acumen your partner may have in money management and not feel like you're less of a person you know just as how you perhaps were the one who is better at keeping the place neat it comes more naturally to you and you don't make your partner feel like less than is is the same 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 energy same spirit we're vibing together we're growing together we're building together and we're complementing each other ideally so where i fall down even if you aren't strong perhaps you are stronger than i am and therefore you can help me to be better as we grow together so these are the five scenarios that i you know i came across today i found them to be very interesting and very very much food for for thought and food for a podcast and so i hope that you have gotten some juicy pieces out of this um i do believe that even even from this podcast there is so much more content that can be created so i'd love to hear from you let me know what else you'd like for me to touch on if you have any questions i'd be happy to hear them and to answer them and again for those of you who don't know you can reach me on instagram you can connect with me on instagram at white lotus blooms or you can email me at come at white lotus blooms ja at gmail.com I am so grateful to be able to share with all of you and I can't wait to jump back into the space, hear your feedback and share some more with you around these topics of love and life. Much love to you all. Signing off from White Lotus Blooms for this episode. Mwah.